it's time for the Dirtbag Sheets Brothers. <laughs> hey there, welcome back to the Dirtbag Sheets. What? Another episode so soon? Yes, because I have just watched AEW Dynamite, and weirdly enough, I have finally taken the plunge into Lucha Underground. Now, last week's, or last episode anyway, was so successful, my uh, listenership went up 30%, 4 to 6. <laughs> it's all these breaks I keep taking, bro. I'm never going to get an audience if I keep taking these fucking breaks. But anyway, uh, so successful that I am again doing another show, just off the cuff, no preparation, just by memory, okay? So I watched Lucha Underground today. Technically, I watched AEW Dynamite today, but it was very, very early in the morning. As you know, I work at night, and I come home, and I get stoned and watch my wrestling. Uh, so, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. Um, the thing about AEW Dynamite, which I believe was night two of New Year's... I'm always getting this fucked up. Is it New Year's Crash, New Year's Dash, New Year's Bash? I think it's I think it's Dash. Uh, New Year's Dash, um, it was my favorite episode of AEW Dynamite. And I say that just based on consistency because I know some of the uh, naysayers out there, like the Solo Monsters, who, who are very supportive of AEW. It's not like he's a WWE mark, at least not a total WWE mark. And I mean, he was an announcer in, um, oh, what is it called? That New York promotion that uh, Isaiah Cassidy and and uh, and uh, oh god the other guy came out of sorry um, <laughs> um, so he knows Indy and I I respect his opinions but he didn't like the show as much and I just thought that was crazy I thought this show was as perfect as you could get except maybe for the Britt Baker talk show segment but even that. Um, at first I was so nervous, I was laughing at how terrible it was, but then it just went right into a brawl, right into, uh, the Thunder Rosa feud with Britt Baker, and this brings us to one of the bigger points I want to make about this episode of AEW Dynamite. It was full of story progression. You had story progression with FTR and, um, you know, uh, Jurassic, <laughs> Jurassic Express, I was going to say Jurassic Park. Uh, I sometimes say Jungle Express, which is uh, not correct either. <laughs> uh, Marco was getting destroyed. Uh, fucking Cash Wheeler tried to decapitate him more than once. My God, they were throwing him around. But then so was Jungle Boy, and he was using that to do some really interesting offense uh, in tandem with Marco's stunt. Um, it's like this meme I just posted from some guy uh, on Twitter. I reposted, uh, you know, if you don't like Marco's stunt, fuck you. That's all I have to say about that. Marco Stunt's cool. He's a cool little guy. And you know what? I mean, look, man, I want to be a professional wrestler. Everyone wants to be a professional wrestler. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. It doesn't even matter how old you are. It just matters, one, have you been trained? If you've been trained and you know what you're doing and you can do it safely. And number two, can you find a place to wrestle? That's it. This is art. This is athletic art. It doesn't have to be athletic, though. And it doesn't matter who or what you are. But... Uh, never mind my fantasy bookie to myself. Marco Stunt is not just well-trained. He's great. He's talented. He's just not out there for, you know, just to live out his dream. That is his biggest uh, accomplishment, though, I would say, uh, listening to his uh, stuff he said about uh, getting into AEW last year. You know, he is legitimately a very talented professional wrestler. Just like Orange Cassidy is a very talented professional wrestler. And a lot of people won't give them the opportunity to prove that. 
even though they've done that already tens of times, you know, they, they won't see it. You know, it's, it's like ideology, you know, you don't see it. You eat from the trash can all the time, you know, terrible G Jack, terrible. What a raccoon motherfucker. Anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, love that, uh, story progression, right? Uh, we got story progression with the, uh, FTR. If you'll note from the last episode, they goaded Marco into this because they are always trying to get an edge in their matches. Very good. Sometimes even a little too subtle for me, but when I sit back and I think about it, oh my God, there is a story going on here, right? And the same was true of the opening match. Oh my God. I don't know why I didn't just start with this. This was my favorite match in a long time, brother. Uh, Pac versus Eddie Kingston. First of all, I love Pac and I love Eddie Kingston for uh, different reasons. Let's talk about why I love Pac, all right? Not only was last year's Iron Man match beautiful, wonderful, uh, first time I'd ever seen an Iron Man match. It reminded me why I love Kenny, why Kenny roped me in to this fucking wonderland. Uh, and by the way, I said last year because it's a new year. It's actually been two years. It's been two years since I've been a wrestling fan, brother. Fucking awesome. Anyway, um, so it's like, wow, Pack is fucking amazing. And that, uh, what is it called? Black Arrow, I believe is his finisher. My God, man, how does he do it? Right? How does he do it? And to relay a story, when I read the Young Bucks book, uh, Killing the Business, to relay a story, when the Young Bucks first went to Japan, I believe, and I've said this on Twitter, but you don't always follow me on Twitter, so whatever. Um, when the Young Bucks first went to Japan, I believe for DDT Pro, they experienced extreme culture shock, and they couldn't find anyone who spoke English who could help them out until they finally discovered a angry little man <laughs> named Pack, angry little North Englishman, and uh, he wasn't actually angry. That's the secret. That's the secret in the book I'm trying to relay to you. He helped them. He was kind to them. I think... Uh, you know, and it's 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 being revealed in storyline, I think, slowly. I think Pack is a secret sweetheart. I really do. I think he's a good guy. Probably has some issues. Everyone has some issues. I don't know his entire background. I know he was on 205 Live. Um, you know, I mean, maybe he took some steroids. Who, who the fuck knows? I don't judge about those sorts of things. Uh, but I think in general for, I think he's a good guy. I just think he's a good guy. Well, little I know about him, I think he's a cool guy, and he's an amazing wrestler, so I'm very invested. And then we got fucking Eddie Kingston over here. Now, I probably saw Eddie Kingston and No Holds Barred um, on independentwrestling.tv uh, before I recognized him. I probably saw him before, because I, I like hardcore wrestling somewhat, sometimes. Sometimes I get bloodthirsty. It's cathartic and fun. Um, and you know, and you know, when I'm, uh, fantasy booking myself, I think, well, I'm kind of old now. Um, unless I do a DDP and just like bulk up, I probably could only really compete in hardcore. So <laughs> I've been, I, I enjoy it on many levels is what I've tried to say, brother. So I probably saw him, uh, before, but the real emotional, uh, connection we all got. When he saw him, when we saw him for the first time on AEW, and he only just came in on a short-term contract, he said, "If you're gonna have me do this, I want to do this right." So he instantly, with his emotional promo, 
about growing up in the hood, about growing up around drug addicts and alcoholics. He sold that match in like a minute. I don't know how long it was. It seemed like it just went by and it was like, oh my God, who is this guy? This guy is fucking awesome. Right? But if you listen to like uh, Chris Jericho's interview with him, uh, one thing he will admit though is that he did get kind of fat while he was out wrestling uh, independence. Um, and, you know, when they had pandemic hit, you know, I mean, I don't blame him really, to be honest with you. I don't blame him, brother. I don't blame him. Uh, so he's not necessarily known for being a really good technical wrestler, I don't think, at least not in my perception of him. He's uh, more known for being a really good hardcore brawler and uh, his, you know, his character work, his mic work, his promo work. He knows how to sell as well. He's very good at that. And early on, we saw Pac dominating him in the match, and he was selling wonderfully. I love the acrobatics of Pac in this match. I could talk about this match all day long. One thing I was trying to get out there, he got kind of fat. He has been losing weight. And not only that, not only that, I think he has proven that he is a good wrestler in his own right, a good technical wrestler. And uh, I think that's important in this promotion in particular. Um, so... I just, I, it was the best opener. I, I loved this episode of AEW Dynamite. Now, I'm going to forget things. This is all from memory. This is all just stream of consciousness. I just smoked a wonderful uh, bowl of champions that contained old weed, keef, and resin. So, yeah, I'm good to go, but uh, I'm not following any kind of, like, road map here, and I hope you don't hear anything in the background. You probably do. That's life. I should have done this upstairs. Anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to say, uh, we had that, uh, uh, Cargill came in, came in, <laughs> came in on the, uh, Britt Baker thing. And, uh, that, uh, and, you know, it furthered storylines. There's a lot of storyline being further, a lot of storylines being furthered here. Uh, we had the, uh, new year's resolutions of the, uh, inner circle, which was also very interesting because for one thing they were introduced in the, the card on the TV as Chris Jericho and an MJF with the inner circle. Very interesting. And then, uh, you know, during the promos or the, during the segment, uh, Jericho said that, uh, he wanted to win the tag team belts with MJF. Uh, what is going on? And then the whole time there's uh dissension, which leads to them uh, deciding they're going to have a three on three match next week. There's dissension in the ranks. And the whole time MJF is trying to bring them all together. This is really, <laughs> sorry about that. This is really coming together. Well, I can almost see MJF's side. He's very good at acting. I think, uh, this understated sort of way, uh, this way where it, it really seems like he cares, but you know, he doesn't. Because you know what he did last, or a couple weeks ago on the Brody Lee Tribute Show. You know he is a heel. You know that he will uh, manipulate. And you just you just love this character more and more. The more you think about what's going on in storyline, but is not being said yet. So uh, I really love that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget fucking everything here. I'm getting more high as I speak. <laughs> I don't remember everything. God damn it. What was the main event? Oh, shit. Yeah, the main event. No, no. Let's talk about that women's match first. We had uh, Taya Conte versus Serena Deeb for the NWA Championship. Uh, Serena Deeb is the NWA Champion. Now, before we get into this, this was uh, one of the best women's matches I've ever seen on AEW, and I mean that. But before we get into this, I will say 
it is strange to me still that this is a NWA women's belt match. Now, I like NWA working with AEW because that allows us to get Thunder Rosa in there, and Thunder Rosa is really awesome. Um, a really one of the best women wrestlers in, in the world right now, in my opinion. But I, this whole thing with the belt on AEW is very strange, very strange. And if there would be some way, maybe some kind of contractual, some kind of business opportunity way to maybe like merge that belt with the AEW belt. I know in order to do that, you would have to have like a business like partnership for a very long term. Uh, otherwise, I don't think anyone would want to do that because it would just be like, well, what happens when you guys break up? But I, I just, I, I really love what the NWA matches for the women are doing. And I love Sheeta to death. I argued vociferously for Sheeta to get the belt because I felt she was the best worker on the entire roster at the time. And I still think she's one of the best. But the, what they've done with the AEW women's division, all this, you know, gimmicky bullshit, you know, I, I don't mind Abaddon. That's not what it's about at all. I don't think Abaddon earned a shot at the title. I really don't. Uh, but I'm not a hater. I have no problem with Abaddon being part of the AEW family. She serves a purpose. I think she's very young. She could get much better over time. And then, you know, become a bigger presence on AEW Dynamite, but I really think it's a little too soon. And I know some people really liked that, but a lot of people really hated it. It was either you loved it or you hated it. I would have liked it a lot more if there was a, a little bit more in-ring wrestling to kind of showcase Sheeta, for one, because we don't see her nearly enough. And um, to see more of what uh, Abaddon could do, which it, it really appeared she couldn't do very much. She's kind of just... A monster, a lumbering monster, you know, a Hulk Hogan type. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, so you have that that dissonance between the AEW women's belt and the NWA women's belt uh, matches where you've got like Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa and um, oh, I can't remember her name, that that one with the, the hair. Uh, anyway, uh, so let's just get in the match. Fuck it. You know, th this continues to be a weird topic that I cannot resolve in my brain. And I, I feel like Tony's only doing it so that he can have access to Thunder Rosa. That's probably the only reason he's doing impact so he can have access to the uh, bullet club, AKA the elite, uh, which makes sense. But it, it also makes for weird, weird kind of uh, storyline convergences. But enough of that shit. Serena Deeb is in WA world champion for a uh, women's world champion for a reason. She is incredibly good, incredibly flexible. Just one of the most wonderful technical wrestlers I've ever seen. And Taya Conte. Oh my fucking God, bro. Have I seen her wrestle since, since the fucking women's BS tag tournament that you get a fucking, you don't even get a fucking contract. They didn't even get contracts out of that. You know, Diamante and uh, Ivelisse. Jesus Christ, that was a long time ago. Feels like a lifetime or two ago, brother. It really, really does. But I see her wrestle, and my God, she was so good. Taya Conte was so fucking good, y'all. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like Taya Conte should be in, the, in talks for the uh, AEW Women's World Championship now. I feel like... 
They should uh, push her. And uh, if that means that uh, if she's if she's part of the Dark Order, if that means she has to feud with Anna Jay, then so be it. That would be good for Anna Jay, too, I think. I think that's one way to build Anna Jay up. Because you don't see her wrestle at all on Dynamite either. You know, like once in a blue fucking moon. I just I just was really blown away by that segment, man. That that match. That match was really good. Now, you know, I mean, Serena Deep wins. She's fucking amazing. She deserves to win. She deserves to have a championship. Give her all the fucking championships. But Taekante, that was a breakout moment for her in AEW, I have to say. I really thought it was for her career, I thought it was historic. And I hope that she gets a belt soon. Uh, just wonderful. Wonderful. I loved this show. I know I'm going to forget shit. I'm I'm trying to think. There was some tag team wrestling, I'm sure, uh, besides uh, what I've already said. And I could, oh, you know, the only thing I didn't really like about the show, I said it was the um, the uh, Britt Baker uh, segment. But actually, the only thing I really didn't like was the Matt Hardy thing. I like the end of it a little bit because he's getting angry and he's explaining like no one cares. Which is, of course, as we all know in the real world, very, very true. Where's my fucking $600? I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it until I do my taxes. I got my $1,200 check before. I got it. But this time, you know, some like 800 years later, they're not going to send my $600 check because they're trying to teach me the value of hatred. And I appreciate that. So, yes, no one cares. I got into that a little, but mostly I didn't like the acting. I didn't care for it. It wasn't terribly long, so whatever. Oh, I got to talk about... Uh, okay. All right. One of the more exciting things, and it's born out of terrible tragedy. Terrible tragedy. But one of the more exciting things is that Brody Lee... Uh, not Brody uh, The Dark Order needs a new leader now that Brody Lee has unfortunately passed. And... It really looks like it could be Hangman Adam Page. Now, anyone who has listened to my uh, older shows, I may have mentioned it in an older show. I think I did, yeah. I think I did maybe four or five episodes ago, maybe three episodes ago. You can go look it up if you want. But uh, I said what they could do is they could make Hangman the new leader of the Dark Order. This is before I knew Brody was dead. Uh, and then he could feud with Brody when he comes back for true leadership of the Dark Order. Well, now that, uh, you know, Brody's passed, uh, you know, I think what they should do is they should do the whole dark, that was the other thing, the dark cowboy gimmick is what I was thinking of, kind of a Jonah Hex sort of thing. I think they should go for it, brother. Obviously, though, when I say dark, I just mean aesthetically. We all know at this point, even though the aesthetic is heelish, that the Dark Order is, I mean, they're the biggest baby faces in America, you know, by far. I mean, if you read all the stuff all the professional wrestlers in WWE said about the show that they watched. They all watched it. Everyone watched it. The entire wrestling community came together for one moment and watched that. Uh, you know that the Dark Order are the biggest baby faces in America. Possibly the world. So, yeah. Make him the leader. But the segment, they're, they're all having a good time. And to get to the segment, I'm sorry. They're all having a good time. And then they ask uh, Hangman. He's having a good time. He's not, you know, sad or anything. He's having a good time. I think he's found something. And um, I couldn't be happier for him. I really couldn't be happier for him. I'm getting all teary-eyed even thinking about all this, man. Can't be talking about no Brody Lee or uh, or Hangman, honestly. You know, I love Hangman. 
Love Hangman. I understand, you know. An anxious millennial cowboy. That's good writing. That's good writing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they said, well, are you going to join Dark Order? And what he says is, um, I'll tell you what, you'll find out next week. And, I mean, some people have suggested that Brody Lee Jr. is going to ask him personally to join Dark Order next week. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it's a fun bit of fantasy booking, though. Uh, he would have to say yes at that point. Uh, it would be a passing of the torch. It would be beautiful and sad. And uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think Brody Lee Jr. needs to be involved anymore until he's 18. I think he should just go live his life and try to have a good life. But um, something like that might happen. It might just be John Silver asking him, you know, for Brody to join Dark Order. But I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be the leader. Uh, I think he's going to be the leader of his own faction now. And uh, I think maybe the elite, uh, particularly the uh, uncertain elite, you know, uh, the Young Bucks, I think they're going to be, you know, suspicious of Dark Order and Hangman after that. But it will appear over time that Dark Order and Hangman are exactly what they've always been in the end, which is just wonderful baby faces that we love. Yeah, so that was wonderful. And, uh, I, you know, ultimately, it's possible that he says no in a very amicable way. And I don't know how they would react to that. And that could be a good swerve. But I can't fantasy book that, so I'm not going to talk about it because I, I don't know where he would go or what would happen. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So, um, yeah, but let's get to the main event. I'm sure I've missed something else that was fucking amazing. But um, I told you I wanted to talk about Lucha Underground, and we're at 21 minutes. So let's get to the main event and talk about Lucha Underground for like five minutes tops and then get out of here, brothers. So so um, we had Darby Allen versus... Brian Cage for the TNT Championship. Love that new belt. Love the black strap. It's not really a new belt. I don't know why they said a new belt. I mean, I kind of do. It's a new, it's like a replica. It's a copy. But the new black strap just looks beautiful. Um, yeah, so this was like a squash for a long time. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know, Darby kept getting up. Uh, one thing I liked, again, uh, all these segments, almost all of these segments furthered fucking storylines and we had been wanting this for quite a while this segment the only time it looks like brian uh cage towards the end is going to lose because i'm you know i put over that it's it's kind of a, a squash but that's not really true because um darby's still getting like fucking you know like uh, just like a canadian destroyers and shit man it's just fucking crazy what he's doing to brian and um you know, kudos to both of them, man. It was just a great, great show, great episode, great match. I, I fucking love AEW, man. I just love it, brother. Just love it. Love it, brother. Love it, brother. <laughs> I got my Macho Man uh, fucking uh, uh, COVID mask in the mail the other day. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, towards the end, the only time anyone else in Team Taz, Taz was on commentary, by the way. Commentary was pretty good today. Uh was uh, Ricky Starks uh, tried to intervene uh, when it looked like Darby was going to defeat Brian uh, Brian Cage. That's his name, right? Now I'm getting high and I'm forgetting names. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yes, the Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> and then suddenly the lights go out and they go back up almost instantly. It was very fast, uh, which I was impressed by, to be honest with you. And Sting was there. And this time Sting fucking hit... Uh, Ricky Starks with a bat a couple times. Ricky sold it 
amazingly well. Like, like fucking Sting is like superhuman, man. You know, at 60, he's still superhuman. It was, it was wonderful. And uh, that allowed Darby Allen to get the pin on Brian Cage uh, without being interfered with. I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, what I enjoyed about this, too, was it's not like Sting intervened in the match itself. He simply would not allow any of Team Taz to interfere. So I thought that was great because that showed that Darby won the match on his own. By his own merits, a fair match. You know, and he uh, he did it in, with a move that uh, Taz was... Uh, I heard this. I, I don't know the full details of this, but I've heard that he did win with a move... That Taz had, um, Taz had criticized him about uh, as a kind of fu to Taz, you know. So, just a wonderful show. AW Dynamite, my favorite episode. Let's move on to Lucha Underground from I think the Del Rey Network. Yeah. So Lucha Underground. Um, yeah, I'd heard about it uh, for years. I, I think I first heard about it. Well, it's been years now, but you know, a couple of years. I think I first heard about it on the All Elite podcast or um, Seeing the Elite, Seeing the Elite. They used to do a Lucha Underground podcast. And then I, I began to notice that a lot of people in AW were in Lucha Underground. Uh, Thunder Rosa was in Lucha Underground. John Morrison and uh, Ricochet were in uh, Lucha Underground. Uh, you know, WWE, uh, Superstars, whatever. Uh, they're great, though, in Lucha Underground. I mean, I mentioned them specifically because it's the first time I've ever seen them wrestle because I watched the first episode today. And I just want to talk about this for a very brief amount of time. Uh, I, I've never seen a wrestling show like this. Uh, I enjoy the Invisible Camera segments. I enjoy the feel of a kind of action superhero show with, like, a criminal underground um, or an evil corporation with criminal underground you know, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I enjoyed the authority figure. Um, I'm sorry, I just, I do. I know that's a problem with some people, and I, I understand it now that I know more and more, uh, and I'm learning more and more about WCW's downfall. But I can't remember the guy's name, mind you. But I liked him. He was pretty good, pretty smarmy. I enjoyed that. Uh, I love the fact that it started with him giving Lucha Libre AAA. And they, they filmed this, a huge pile of money. He's like, I want your wrestlers. Uh, yes. Uh, can I get away with an accent? I'm a quarter Mexican. I'm just going to say I can. So, uh, fuck you. At least I'm a little Mexican and you're not at all. Okay? <laughs> and it's a little bit more than one one-thousandth Cherokee, Miss Warren. A little bit more than that. I'm actually much more. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times uh, more Native American than uh, Elizabeth Warren, and that is a fact. <laughs> so, and I am the whitest guy. I could, I've often, well, I've often said, but I've thought that I could like infiltrate Nazi Germany because I am so white. But, you know, I like to think my heart is brown just a little bit, just a little bit, you know? I don't know. But uh, I'm no offense doing the dumb accents, is, is the point of this digression. Uh, yeah, so the format is really interesting because it's more like a, like a superhero TV show. Uh, what I really enjoyed is the first match, Eddie Guerrero, I th Eddie Guerrero, no, Eddie's dead, isn't he? Um, something Guerrero, one of the Guerreros, um, I know him from, uh, I know him from Talking Shop Mania, to be honest with you, and, uh, I think he's an impact. One of the Guerreros, you know him, 
you love him. And then the Blue Demon Jr., I think. Uh, what I liked about this, and I'm sorry about the names, I am high. Uh, as they, they talked about the history of the Luchador families. These two come from famous Luchador families, and that's one of the aspects of Lucha Libre that I love. That this is a family affair. It is multi-generational. I mean, we have that in America. But in Mexico, I mean, particularly if you're a luchador with a mask, as far as I'm concerned, you're a straight-up fucking superhero. You're definitely a performance artist who inhibit, inhabits the role your entire life, uh, you know, at least when on camera. And often in just in the normal everyday life, you know. Uh, so it's, it's a beautiful tradition. And I love that they bring that up. I love the format of the show. It appears to be only three matches a show. We have that one, uh, the Blue Demon Jr. one. Uh, the second match, we had the introduction of... Oh, God. Her name was Sexy something. Uh, sexy everyone. Her promo was interesting. She explained it as meaning that... Uh, sexy Strong, I think is her name, maybe. I can't remember. Uh, she explained it that she was saying, like, every woman is sexy, every woman is strong. And she talked about how Lucha Libre got her out of abusive, uh, an abusive household and uh, told her, taught her that she could be strong. I just thought this was great. The other thing I thought was great is she went up against a guy and she lost. And I think, I think that's great because that builds up a babyface, um, you know, storyline with her against the dude. You know, and that's brave because, you know, most, I mean, even now, even my beloved AEW is afraid of doing intergender wrestling. They only did it once on the cruise ship. It was amazing. I miss Rio so much every day. Riho and, you know, all of them. Missed them all. Yuka Sakazaki. Yeah. But digressions. Uh, so I thought it was brave of them. And I thought it was really good. And then the last match you had, uh, you had Ricochet versus John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Mondo, I think was his name. Mundo. Johnny Mundo versus um, the protege of Conan, which is cool that Conan's in there and had some nice interactions, uh, invisible camera interactions with the owner of uh, Lucha Underground. Those were interesting. Uh, Puma Jr., a.k.a. Uh, Ricochet. And a match that, I mean, today would be considered a five-star, six-star match. It was, uh, I mean, considering how silly and out there the product is, it was uh, a masterful match. So I just wanted to talk about it for a couple minutes and uh, tell you that every episode of Lucha Underground is on Tubi, uh, Tubi TV for free. And, um, you know, it's not perfect, uh, but uh, it's, it's really good. It's striking. It's so different. It's so different. It's totally worth your time. So anyway, uh, those are the things I've been watching lately. You know, uh, AEW hit it right out of the fucking park. My favorite episode ever. And uh, Lucha Underground turns out, just as I suspected for well over a year now, to be very, very enjoyable. So uh, check that out on Tubi. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Dirtbag Sheeps Brothers. The dirt <laughs> thank you for listening to the dirt Dirtbag Sheeps Brothers, whatever that means. Um, uh, my name is you know, Captain Murphy right now, I think. You can find me at Leftendo on the Twitters. I am Twitter Scum, and you can be too. Thank you so much for listening, and please enjoy wrestling and survive. <laughs>